Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Detroit Lions Breakdown Podcast. I'm Joe Kenya. With me, as always, is Eric Schlitt from PrideOfDetroit.com. Eric, the Lions uh, went into Thanksgiving. They had lost six Thanksgiving games in a row, and they made it seven, losing to Jordan Love of the Green Bay Packers 29-22, a game that wasn't even as close as the score would indicate. Um, the Lions look to bounce back this Sunday in New Orleans against the Saints. Um you know, let's get going. You had a good holiday. The holiday, I mean, like it always puts a damper on the holiday when right. you uh, w- when your team loses, right? So, um, but uh, it was it was pretty quiet. Um, saw some family members that I haven't seen in a while, so that was nice. And uh, looking to put this game in the rear view and uh, uh, keeping my eyes on the Saints. Well, no better way of getting this game in the rear view than getting on with it. So transactions in the past week, the Lions haven't had any, but there is a lot of news on the injury report. Uh, first off, Hendon Hooker with his torn ACL has started his injury evaluation clock. So he's still on the non-football injury list, limited in practice Wednesday, full practice Thursday. So two practices in, he has uh, 21 days in order to uh, get that full assessment from the coaching staff. And then of the, so 19 days from Thursday here, uh, we'll have a chance to uh, find out if they are going to put him on the active roster and continue to let him practice, or if they're going to put him back on the NFI, which would effectively end his season. Uh, and would put him back in the same situation where he can't practice again. And um, it will, I guess, limit his development. At this point, I think they're all in on developing him and trying to see what he has to help them, you know, get an idea of what it, what situation is going to look like at quarterback in the future, whether it's, do they have a, a backup next year? Or do they have someone that can challenge uh, to, to push Jared Goff in the upcoming years or, you know, they're going to want to see what they can get out of out of Hendon. They're going to want to get him familiar with the playbook and how he develops over the next uh, couple months will, uh, I think, go a long way for them in determining how their roster kind of shakes out. So I fully expect him to stay on the injury evaluation list the full 21 days uh, because there's no need to push him onto the active roster because in order to put him on the active roster, you have to cut somebody from the roster, right. In order to make room right. for him. So I don't think they're in any hurry to do that. And um, so I'm expecting him to stay on that evaluation list for the full three weeks. Then when that three weeks comes, uh, we'll see what happens and uh, he'll, they'll, they'll make a move. I, I believe to get him on the active roster, keep him practicing, keep him learning, keep developing him because he's part of their, uh, their long-term vision. So Good start to see him back. It's um, it's interesting if you haven't seen him. A couple, the the some of the media posted a couple videos of of him out at practice. Um, you forget how fast he is, and you forget how like mobile he is, because they showed a couple bag drills. I thought there was one really interesting one where he's almost like in slow motion moving through the bags. And then when he gets loose of the bags and he's required to like sprint a little bit, it's just a little five yard, but he puts his foot in the ground and the way he gets upfield so quickly. It's like, Whoa, that's a, it's not something I've seen from a quarterback in a lion's uniform in a long time. And it's definitely something interesting. So uh, I'm excited to see how he develops. 
When was the last time? Mike McMahon was that? <laughs> <laughs> I know Stafford had some mobility more more than he would would let on when you look at him. Sure, sure, sure. Probably not like Head and Hooker though. No, it, it'll be interesting um, how things go with Hooker moving forward. Now, if he does get, and I would agree with you that they would move him onto the active roster uh, once that twenty one day clock is up. Like, how much you know? How many reps is he going to get in practice from day to day? You know, it's only going to be a handful. Hopefully yeah. they're going to be driving towards the play. I mean, they are going to be driving towards the mm-hmm. playoffs and uh, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to spend too much time, you know, developing them, but it's all the better for him to be at practice to watch what's going on and participate whenever he can. Yeah. What's interesting is like when you're talking about team drills, he's definitely going to be limited there because the first reps are going to go to golf and the majority of those reps are going to go to golf. And then, because you, like you said, they're in the playoffs, they're, they're in that hunt. They're preparing for it. They're doing everything they need to do in order to keep winning and golf's going to need to get the, the starter reps for that. And then Teddy's going to need to get his reps because he's the backup and it's not going to leave a whole lot for Hendon during the team drills. Now scraps. When, yeah. But now, but when they're doing the individual drills and when they're running through all kinds of other parts of practice there's a lot of opportunity for him to develop in those areas and so he'll get the big thing is is he gets to throw with pads he gets to throw at moving targets he gets to get coached and all of those things will be uh important factors beyond just like straight up team drills all right next up running back david montgomery foot injury limited wednesday full thursday yeah, he got a little dinged up in the game. Um, doesn't seem to be too impacted by it. And the fact that he's already in full is a good sign that uh, he should be okay. Left guard Jonah Jackson, ankle and wrist injury, limited Wednesday, full Thursday. Right, so he's returned to practice now. After He's missed five games in the last six weeks. or is it, Yeah, five games in the last six weeks. Three with an ankle injury. Uh, then it was just a wrist injury last week. Then now the ankle's back. It's an ankle and wrist injury back again. And um, but he's practicing. And and the fact that he's already also up to full is a good sign that he's probably going to go back into the lineup at, at left guard, which is I think going to be a huge boost for an offensive line that needs to rebound. Coach Campbell playing coy press conference earlier this week when asked about Jackson says why well, he's gonna Jonah's gonna return to practice when he tells me he's gonna return to <laughs> whatever I'm paraphrasing yeah yeah no that was I think that uh, uh, there was a lot of people that 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 phrasing raised some interest raised some flags for them yeah they that he said, wasn't actually they think he's hurt not injured yeah and so um but in my opinion, I think that's just how players coaches talk. You know what I mean? Like when his, you know, when he tells me he's good to go, I'm going to be listening to my player. And so, um, yeah, we'll see, you know, I mean, we'll find out eventually, you know, what, what it is, if it's him playing hurt or playing injured type of thing, but, um, I'm not making too big of a deal out of it. Looks like he's going to be back and, and that's a, a big, boost big boost, big boost center, Frank rag. Now towing back. Full practice Wednesday, rest Tuesday. So yeah, they did a they did a padded practice on Wednesday. So it makes sense to give him his standard rest day the day after that. Um, I'm not 
concerned about him, even though it was just a toe injury and then the back showed up. I'm still not overly concerned because he was a full participant at the padded practice, which means he's probably going to be right. He should be good to go. Linebacker Alex Anzalone, hand injury, did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. So he's probably not going to play, which is uh, not necessarily a good sign. His wife is actually due to give birth to their second child uh, today, which is Thursday. That was um, what the plan was. And so um, he might not have played anyways, even if he wasn't hurt. But this injury could uh, could be one that, that lasts beyond this week, I think. And, and if that's true, it's mildly concerning. Um, Anzalone has been very good, one of the better players on defense this whole season. Uh, but you drafted a first-round linebacker for this reason, for to get him on the field, get him experience, and he is the guy with the biggest upside. And, and the way he's going to get to that upside is by getting reps. And so it'll be Jack Campbell time for uh, a couple of weeks here. Or at least, well, at least one here. So in, in most of the looks we're going to get on Sunday, it's, is it going to be Campbell and Barnes, or is it going to be Campbell and somebody else? No, I think it's going to be Campbell and Barnes as your starters, but I do think Rodriguez will give them some reps. Um, back to defense. Yeah, so it's it's he's going to do both. He's going to do all, he's going to do, he's going to do he's going to do all three phases, right? Uh, fullback, linebacker, and special teams. So a true uh, hybrid Iron player. Man. Yes, or a hybrid um, player. So he is. So whenever Malcolm's on the field, Malcolm will be the will. And whenever uh, Jack is on the field, he'll be the mic. And then Barnes will essentially switch between the two spots because he has that range. So um, should be an interesting glimpse at uh, maybe what Jack Campbell can do for the Lions in the long term because they're going to need him to be uh, they need him to be at his best. Safety, Tracy Walker, shoulder injury, limited Wednesday, full practice Thursday. Uh, he got dinged up in the game as well. Same thing as Montgomery, though. He's already back to a full, so uh, encouraging sign that he should be okay. And uh, I expect him to be back into his, his uh, natural role again. Safety, Ify Malafanwu, hand injury, full practice Wednesday, Thursday. So he's been playing. I don't know if anyone's noticed. He's been playing with a club. Um, now he only plays. Of course, we know it is. It's great. <laughs> it's always great when somebody's wearing the club. <laughs> so he's had the club the last two weeks, and he has only played special teams with the club on. So I don't know if the special teams, if he's just limited to special teams because of the club, or if he's just been limited because you've seen a lot more Brian Branch at safety and Tracy and Kirby have been ahead of Melifonwu. So, and we just what just hasn't been an opportunity. Uh, regardless, the fact that he's still in full uh, is is a good sign that he should be continuing to do what he's been doing. And uh, he's on the injury report, you know, because the hand injury is, is is wrapped, right? So, and he'll be on the injury report until that he gets out of that thing. So we'll see how long that is. But um, I don't think there's any concerns over his ability to at least contribute. All right, that's it for the injury report. Let's talk real quick about the Packers. Um, you know, Lions not in the game from the get. Well, they do get the Packers score first. Lions draw it within seven six, but then by the time halftime rolls around, twenty three six Packers. 
Lions discombobulated on offense the entire time. Uh, you know, Goff getting pressured, Goff making mistakes, throwing interceptions, fumbling the ball. Um, mm-hmm. Packers look great on offense the whole time <laughs> whenever they go out there. You know, what's going on? What, what, what are just your general thoughts, I guess? Well, my general thoughts are that there's they're they're very complacent in um leaning on the ability to stop the run and for whatever reason they've taken a step back in their ability to shift between stopping the run and and rushing the passer and that lack of ability to rush the passer has limited them now some teams have kind of figured out that if you double team Aiden and you double team Aleem uh, you're in a good spot because that's where most of the pass rushing pressure comes from. And so teams have been doing that. But at the same time, those guys haven't always consistently been winning their ones one-on-ones either. So you're struggling with getting consistent pressure. You're struggling on getting the quarterback to the ground. And that in turn leaves your secondary exposed and uh, they can't cover for extended periods of time and Jordan love just, he had a day like they didn't really unleash uh, the blitz until like the fourth quarter when they did, it worked, it helped them get back into the game, but those adjustments needed to come sooner. In my opinion, they came sooner against the bears. And that's one of the reasons why they were able to come back and win. Uh, They came too late against the Packers. And so um that's was big part of the defense that was a problem on offense. It was a series of dominoes that fell that caused one problem for the against the other. Um, it's very rare that Rag now has a bad game and Sewell has a bad game, and it's even mm. rarer when both of them have a bad game. I, I don't think I've ever seen them both have a bad game at the same game at the same time. Uh, but that was the case uh, on uh, on Thanksgiving, and so Sores can buy- bench before halftime. Yep, because he's not playing well. Aushika isn't any better. Uh, Sorzo got benched because he gave up three pressures. Aushika comes in, he gives up seven. So, like, it's not like he was even he was much better. And and that's one of the reasons why we keep talking about Jonah being so important to coming back. He'll really give some security. Um, but like they all had, they all struggled. Like Taylor Decker was on Rashawn Gary most of the game. Rashawn Gary gets three sacks. Graham was on uh, Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark was overpowering Graham quite a bit. Um, Sewell, like I said, had a hard time. Uh, Frank wasn't making adjustments fast. Now, it was just it was a series of problems for all five offensive linemen. Goff got panicky. He turned the ball. He fumbled the ball three different times. And, like, it was uh, – that's really the big thing. The two biggest issues on offense were ball security – and the offensive line being out of sync. And when those two things, ha- I mean, those usually go hand in hand, but when those two things happen, you're going to lose. Silver lining. Mm-hmm. They're slumping now. It's yeah. better for them to slump now than be slumping in weeks, you know, 16, 17, 18 yeah. going into the playoffs. I guess, I guess you have any, I mean, it stinks they lost on Thanksgiving. You yeah. Know, nationally everybody's been talking about the lions here they are nationally televised game you know, everybody in the country is watching the lions game most you know non-lions fans around the country it's like oh, this team's always been terrible 
here we go. We're going to finally see a good Lions team <laughs> on Thanksgiving. And then they kind of see the same old thing. They always see, you know, I'm not going to, don't want to use the term, but you know, right. they get to see the same, same thing they've always seen on Thanksgiving out of the Lions. And, you know, with this team, you know, with the way they're, they have some awareness, you know, the, this coach and this team, they have awareness to them. Yeah. You would think they'd really pick up on how important, you know, Thursday's game was, but, you know, yeah. sometimes once momentum gets going against you and everything just snowballs and things get out of hand, you know, hopefully this is once this is just the Packers getting hot. This is just a few. This Packers are going to have a few weeks on this hot streak and mm-hmm. maybe dip back down later in the year. Hopefully they're not getting things together because it started to look like they've got things together. And, you know, between the Bears and the Packers looking looking like they're improving, you know, not good for the Lions long term, but mm-hmm. Once again, it's you know it's this small sample size. The last three weeks, yeah. Um, so, you know, hopefully well, there, that's it. There, there's an there's an ebb and flow to the season that 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 happens like this, right? Like even even teams that go to the Super Bowl consistently are losing games during the regular season. It happens, right. and and so it's it's just you're going to have bad games. It's it's part of it. Um, to speak more to your point about like teams getting hot and then maybe, you know, knocking and then losing that momentum later in the season or after a few games, I think the Vikings are a perfect example of that, right? Like the Vikings, when Dobbs came on, they were doing great. And then now all of a sudden they got exposed a little bit on Monday night football against the bears. That was a disaster of a game. Like that was, I mean, no one wanted to win that game. It was terrible. Um, so the Vikings kind of look a little bit exposed and they're looking like they, maybe they start, they're going to start falling off a little bit here. Um, if the Packers get hot, who doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to stay hot. Uh, and the bears, I think Monday showed that the bears have some pretty big flaws still. And, um, but they have, you know, they have the potential to put things together and get a win, but at the same time, they still look like they have a lot of stuff to do. So, I still think the Lions are in really good shape. Um, the NFL still thinks the Lions are in really good shape because um, losing in prime time didn't damage their reputation because what just happened uh, earlier today, they got another prime time game. They got flexed into uh, Saturday for the Broncos game. So in week 15 against the Broncos, that was a to be determined on the schedule. Um, and what the Lion, what the NFL did was they not only flexed the Lions uh, game Lions Broncos game to Saturday, but they made it the Saturday night game. So it's in prime time, putting the Lions in the national spotlight on NFL Network right in prime time at eight at eight fifteen. And so they were like, let's let's just go again. Like this is a good Lions team, and that I think the national perspective is still a lot more positive than you know some of the local perspective is after uh, you know a, a loss where, that where they didn't look very good. All right, let's talk about the Saints game. Um, Lions going to New Orleans, playing in the Superdome. Favored by what you have is four. I just checked yep. right now. It's four and a half. Oh, moved. Okay. Yeah. So Lions favored on the road. So once again, here's the uh, here's Vegas now saying, well, you know, Lions are going to be favored to win this game. Uh, five, game's going to be on Fox. It's a 1 p.m. start on Sunday. Thank goodness. <laughs> Joe Davis, Daryl Moose Johnston, and Pam Oliver on the call. 
So we have Joe, the, the baseball guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think Joe Davis also a Michigander. Okay. Maybe he's not local to the Detroit area, but I think he's from the state. Have you seen um, the broadcast map? Because there's only one. Oh, Fox has the only one o'clock games. And so they have like four choices to distribute. And the and the the distribution map for who gets to watch Lions uh, Saints, it's like ninety percent. Yeah, it's like everyone. So again, with no CBS game at one o'clock, if anyone in, wants to watch football, like ninety percent of the country, if they want to watch football at, at one o'clock on a, on Sunday, it's the Lions. We'd be stuck watching the Detroit Lions. Now, <laughs> I wonder. I always like looking at those maps because, like. You you know you like certain things will be kind of surprising to you. And then you have to kind of you're forced to think about it. It's like you know, mm-hmm. say it's you, it's a Buccaneers. Uh, anyway, who are, who are the, the for example? Okay, Buccaneers are playing Panthers at four oh five, yeah, on Sunday. And you look at that map for that four o'clock, and then you know this game's not that big of a game, so it's going to be the area. All the counties around Charlotte are going to be the color <laughs> of that game. And then right. all the counties around Tampa Bay are going to be that color for that game. Yep. And then like, it'll be the counties of Norman, Oklahoma and, and around like Birmingham, <laughs> Alabama. And you're like, why, why, why there too? And then you realize, oh, it's, it's Baker Mayfield and it's Bryce <laughs> Young, you know, it's right. where went to college. And it even goes as far as like some of these guys and some of the quarterbacks where they went to high school, you know, like where they grew <laughs> up, it'll, they'll, it's if they didn't have like, if they don't have a big game or a team, it's, mm. I don't know. Those maps are always fun to look at, you know, so I guess that shows how much of a nerd I am. For, for the people, I, for the people who don't know, uh, the best place to get those maps is 506sports.com. Uh, they put them out. They put out some really cool ones. I'm sorry to cut you off though. No, it's fine. It's, it's, it's more important than what I had to say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and well, and when you really when you look at it on its surface, the Lions are in first place in NFC North, and uh, the, the Saints currently tied for first place in the NFC. Right. So you know why wouldn't that game it be pumped out there to most of the masses? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, referee for the game, Clay Martin, six years an NFL official, ninth year, sixth year as a referee in the NFL, ninth year as an. NFL referee um, or an NFL official. I, I screwed that up twice. <laughs> 10.7 penalties per game, 1.45 penalties under the average. I think he did the Bucks game, if I'm not mistaken. And so, must live um, down south. And so, well, and, and yeah, right. And New so, Orleans and Tampa Bay, they were on the road both of those games. So they try to and, keep them kind of in their region. Yep, certainly. And, um, if I'm not mistaken, that game was pretty low penalties as well. So, um, hopefully, it'll be a, a, a let them play type of game. Speaking of let them play, the DVOA numbers updated. The Lions are now dropped to seventh overall, but that's still in the top. It's firmly in the top ten offensively, sixth, ninth throwing the ball, fourth running the ball on the defensive side, sunk to tenth, thirteenth against the pass, seventh against the run. Uh, 14th special teams, New Orleans, overall 18th DVOA offensively 20th, 22nd, the passing game, 10th in the running game, 
Defensively, though, up at number 13, 11th against the pass, 22nd against the run. Special teams, better special teams than the Lions, checking in at number 13 in the league. <laughs> so the, the keys here, if you want to start looking at, like, matchups, um, is there's a strength-on-strength strength battle between the Lions passing offense and the Saints passing defense. It's going to be um, difficult to consistently throw the ball and put up a lot of numbers but there are opportunities the big advantage the lions have should be on the ground because the lions continue to prioritize the run and the saints are just getting bodied off the ball and they are shedding yardage on the ground right now like for example last game against the falcons they gave up 228 yards uh at a average of 5.6 yards a carry so that was a it's a you know the falcons ran it a lot of different ways but still giving up a couple hundred yards is uh is a good sign for the lions because that's something they're certainly going to want to do on the um when the saints have the ball their run def- their run offense is good uh but it's like it's more of like a they run it in a, they don't run it traditionally right like they 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 run the ball with uh Taysom Hill you know or they use one of their gadget receivers or uh you know Kamara will come you know Kamara is their their RB1 uh, Jamal Williams their RB2 right and, and but they don't run it you know as like a it's not like they're running 100 100 yards a game just like hand the ball off and run it between the tackles they're they're getting 100 yards a game but it's because they're being creative and trying to create misdirection and and utilizing uh players that aren't running backs in order to run the ball in a lot of situations so they end up getting nice yardage production it's just non-traditional so the lions will sell out on the non-traditional and they'll probably keep that to a minimum at the same time, they're going to have to be very conscious of those extracurricular guys and the creativity plays when the, when the Saints want to move the ball. The Saints, as bad as the Lions passing defense has been, the Saints passing offense is very uh, hit and miss. They have a couple of really good hot players, but they're inconsistent, and they, they, uh, they throw interceptions, and they stall in the red zone all the time. That's a huge reason why they are so low is because they just, they don't punch it in very well. Um, They're one of, let me pull the number here real fast. Their scoring offense is 29th in the league. Uh, They only score touchdowns on about 42% of their uh, plays once they get into the red zone. So uh, that's not very good. Uh, Last week against the Falcons, they didn't score touchdown at all. They kicked uh, five field goals. That was it. And uh, they couldn't find the end zone. So they're not scoring TDs. They're not getting, um, like I said, yardage in traditional ways. Like, for example, their yards per rush are like, it's like 3.8, which is like, again, like 28th in the league. Yet, from a DVOA standpoint, they're 10th in DVOA because they're finding other creative ways to be efficient, right? DVOA is about efficiency, not about like pure yardage from a pure yardage perspective. They're much worse from an efficiency perspective. They're good about when they utilize um, 
that rushing attack and, and the players that they do. So offensively, the Lions are going to have an advantage in a couple of areas. Defensively, it's kind of a push. Um, the Lions have been bad of late, but the Saints have also been struggling of late. I fully expect the Saints to move the ball and how much how many points they score will really come down to when they give up a lot of yards, can they can the Lions keep them out of the end zone? Cuz if they can keep them out of the end zone, Lions should win this game. If they can't keep them out of the end zone, then it becomes a shootout and things, you know, there's a lot more factors that come into play then. All right. Well, let's dig into the Saints offense at first. Dennis Allen's the head coach, Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator, quarterback. Derek Carr, we know him well from the Las Vegas Raiders. Now he's moved over to the Saints this season. His backup's Jameis Winston, another guy we're, we know well about. Um, interesting quarterback room they have mm-hmm. over there. It's you know, not the best quarterback they're going to face on Sunday. <laughs> No, and then and then they have Taysom Hill, who will take quarterback. Yeah, we were going to get to well. him a little bit. We will. We, I just wanted to mention yep. it because, um, because because Taysom is an interesting character, Gantt but they, they they use him, they use him a lot, and so like the Lions, Don't I know have it. To, yeah, the Lions will have to be prepared for him. He's um, a good fantasy pickup whenever you need to take because they always it always has him. He's always going to score two point four points per game this week. So, but then you look <laughs> at it, it's like well, they play him all the time. They run him. They throw the ball to him. Like he's yeah, a guy you can pick up to play at the tight end position. He's also like he, he can be very hot and cold. Where he can like you give him the ball and it'll be like oh look he just got a fifteen yard run. Oh look he got and a ten yard run then and then another ten yard run and then oh look he fumbled. You know what I mean? Like, and so it's like two steps forward, one step back a lot with Taysom Hill, but they continue to incorporate him into the game, which does take Derek Carr off the field. Now, Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Jameis Winston, but this is not even the Derek Carr that we've seen in recent years. This is, um, he's not as effective. Uh, Dennis Allen has been running this. I'm sorry. Pete Carmichael has been running this offense for, 14 years, something like that. Like he's been with the team for like 18. He's been running it for like 14. Um, and, and not a lot has changed with the offense. Very, like I said, very creative. They utilize ways to get their, the, get the ball into different players' hands. Um, they, they just, it, they don't have the bodies to execute the plan anymore. Right. Like for the longest time with Sean Payton and, uh, and Drew Brees, you had the bodies, you had the creativity, and and you could make this offense work. And when you lack the talent, and uh, you don't have you know Sean Payton calling the the calls anymore, the offense leaves a little bit to be desired. And I think that's one of the reasons why they've gone from being consistently a top ten offense to now being like a middle of the road offense. So. Carr, he'll turn the ball over. He's loose. He likes to gamble. He doesn't always move off his first read. And so, uh, but yet he can still put up yards. Uh, the The issue with him is he's, uh, he's not great and he's not consistent. So he'll put up a lot of yards and then not put it in the end zone. 
Um, I mean, he will. He'll put it in the end zone at times, but more often than not, it's he he's his limitations, you know, show their uh, their ugly head, and that you know keeps him uh, in the I guess quarterback level that he is. All right, the running backs, uh, Alvin Kamara, who missed the first couple games this season, but has definitely come on ever since he's come back, been reinstated to the team. Jamal Williams is his backup, who we all know very well, ex-Lion. Kendry Miller, third stringer. Here we could say bring up Taysom Hill again, but when they're running him, they're running him out of center. But once again, still a guy who can run the ball. Um, Kamara is, you know, he is – the inspiration for drafting Jameer Gibbs, right? Like he is a elite pass catcher. He is a, he can run between the tackles. He has speed. He can make him miss. Uh, But again, your offensive line isn't as good as it used to be. Your pat, your quarterback isn't as good as it is. It used to be. And so it's allowed teams to key on Kamara a little bit more and it's limited, limited some of his productivity, uh, still a very dangerous player. Jamal Williams, who led the NFL with 17 touchdowns with the Lions last year, has not scored yet. Uh, it is a massive reduction in role for Jamal Williams. Uh, like I said, they don't run traditionally, uh, like a traditional style of offense, and they don't like hand the ball off and just like let them smash it between the tackles 20 times a game. And so Jamal has been limited. Um, Kamara's on the field about two-thirds of the time. That leaves Jamal about a third, and uh, he's not anywhere near as productive as he was uh, when he was with the Lions. So unfortunately for him, uh, he's seen those limitations in his in his production. Uh, he's still very good at a lot of the things that he does. He still runs with power. He still uh, is an excellent pass protector. And, um, you know, he's he's still a unique character that I'm sure will be very motivated to play the Lions after he felt like they didn't pony up enough money to keep him. And but it really, looks like they were right. Well, yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, We're going to use him no, as the, you know, he's the case no. study. Yeah. For the rest of our 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 podcasting career of when yeah. we talk about they need to pony up the money to keep this guy mm-hmm. when, when it comes to running backs and be like, well, no, look at Jamal. It's much more a function of the offensive line than his abilities. Like, sure. You know, like, so, you know, there are guys that add a lot, you know, that, that do have mm-hmm. value, but th- there's a lot of guys that's just, well, no, we got a good offensive line. So of course he's going to do well. And here's yeah. a perfect example of it. Jamal is all heart and all downhill power and he doesn't have a whole lot of creativity right and they had they got that creativity in montgomery that after the catch or after the touch you know ability to break a tackle and then bounce it where jamal didn't really have that jamal just had i'm gonna run through you and stiff arm you and try and just get to the sidelines and so they're willing to pay, I think, a little bit more for Montgomery, and uh, I think they're 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 they have the better. They feel good the, about that at this time. Yeah, I think they're they're reaping the benefits of that for sure. I do think Jamal will be motivated. I I, I also oh, believe. Sure. Oh yeah. I, I also believe in the uh, that coaches like to put 
players play in their former teams in good situations. Uh, And so I I wouldn't be surprised if his first touchdown of the season came uh, against the Lions. Right. Well, I should mention uh, Kendra Miller has an ankle injury, has not practiced this week. So they might end up sticking with the Kamara Williams, like Taysom Hill type of thing. All right. Wide receiver group, Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid. Their two main receivers with Michael Thomas being out. They also have A.T. Perry, Keith Kirkwood, Lynn Bowden Jr., but those guys haven't combined for very – I think the three of them combined for less than 10 catches on the year. Yeah, that's very true. Um, And what's what's bad news for the Saints is Olave has a concussion – and he's been working through that, and so he's hoping to be cleared. He's on track right now to be cleared. Has not yet. He still needs to go through uh, Friday's practice. Um, but Alave is injured, and so, like I said, he may return. And Shahid has not practiced this week because he has a quad injury, and he's expected to potentially miss this game. So that would mean they have Chris Alave and – three guys who have less than 10 catches combined. Okay. Last is not the end of the world as we've learned, (laughs) but it's, it makes it harder for him because Shahid's a speed kind of gadget guys. Bowden is a speed kind of gadget guy. A.T. Perry is, I think you drafted in the like sixth round, fifth round, something like that. Uh, Sixth round, I think. And um, he's the guy that stepped uh, had to step up with Michael Thomas out. And when Olave went out, um, but again, he he stepped into a bigger role last game, and I think he still only had like two catches. So not a devastating uh, receiving core, not a lethal carve them up quarterback. So that means if you're going to get production from this Saints offense, you're going to lean heavily on Kamara and Alave. Uh, because those are your best two players. And so they're if if the Lions can be smart about, you know, the Alave, Kamara, and even well, and even Taysom Hill, because like I said, they'll be creative with them. Lean heavy on those guys and force Derek Carr to find some of the other guys who haven't contributed yet. I, that might be their their game plan and their best bet to uh to to slow the off the Saints offense. So this is this is Chargers light you know, shades of the chargers game mm. instead of Eckler and, and uh, Keenan Allen, it's mm. Alvin Kamara, Chris Olave. And then once with the chargers having these guys, these receivers that haven't played a lot and all of a sudden they're having big games, you know, it could be a, well, but the, char- the car is not as good of a quarterback as Herbert. Yeah. And, and, and the chargers were also replacing um, an injured player with a first round pick in, in Johnston. Right. So uh, a slight, talent difference in that in that spot as well but yeah situations are similar uh i do expect the saints to like i said get more creative with their other skill positions as opposed to wide receiver because it might just be chris alave and everyone else yeah so the tight end group juwan johnson Taysom hill foster moreau the ageless Jimmy Graham, who's actually, you know, he's aging quite a bit. He doesn't really play too much, <laughs> but Juwan Johnson, Foster Moreau, those are guys who can catch a few passes. And we've mentioned Taysom Hill already. And that's probably a guy they're going to get involved in the offense a bit more this week than, than usual. 
Yeah, especially with the Lions struggling against mobile quarterbacks. I would expect them to lean on Taysom quite a bit in this game. If they do, I'm not as sold as it being a problem because Taysom Hill is not – you know a justin fields of the world right Taysom hill when he gets the ball and it's it's like a wildcat which is more like of a traditional type run it's not a let me scramble out of the pocket and just find you know yardage it's more like as if he's the running back and he just has an extra blocker in front of him and so i think that plays into the lion's old version of you know old school style of stopping the run so I think they do have the 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 bodies to to slow him down. Uh, still, they can get creative with him if the Lions are anticipating the run, and then he decides to throw the ball. Uh, it's it's a guy you always have to account for. Uh, the rest of the group is decent, and like you said, there's a couple of names on here. I just I don't think they I didn't come away overly impressed with any of the tight ends in my watching. Um, the only time I really notice them is when they drop a pass. So uh, outside of Taysom Hill, uh, I, I'm not overly worried about the tight ends, but I, you know, I say that now and, you know, one of them could end up, you know, catching like five balls for 50 yards or something like that. Right. 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 Uh, offensive line, offensive line surrendered 25 sacks through 11 games. And they've, they've paved the way for a little over 1100 yards of, uh, Rushing left to right, Andrus Pete, James Hurst, Eric McCoy, Caesar Ruiz, and Ryan Ramchick. Um, so a couple of questionables in there. Yeah, and and a, and a couple of first rounders in there too. Right, you got three first rounders on that line. Um, Pete is uh, their left tackle. I think he's at the he's at the point of his career where he's starting to decline a little bit. It's not quite the dominating uh, player he used to be. I think Ramchick on the right side is still very good at in in the prime of his career. I think he, but he is limited. I think McCoy at center is also very good, playing at a high level right now. He's also limited uh, this week. Ruiz is a better center than guard, in my opinion. Um, but they've been playing him at guard for a long time now. And then uh, Hurst is, I don't know, I'm, I'm underwhelmed by Hurst. I think he's okay, but I don't think he's anything to be overly worried about. So, like, the two guys I'm most worried about are the two guys that are injured, um, Ramchick and McCoy. I think the Lions match up well against the other parts of the offensive line. Uh, if you keep Aiden... On the uh, the right side, you're going to get him up against Pete, and I think that's a matchup that that Aiden can win. But you've mentioned they're going to be double teaming Aiden, anyways. It that's going to be you know interesting. The the Lions needed to generate some pass rush somehow on Sunday, and that'll be interesting to see what what they try to do to to do that. Well, I this could be the Bruce Irvin week, right? This could be the week where they bring yeah, Bruce Irvin up from 34 years old or 36. <laughs> 36 years old. Yeah. You know, and he didn't well, have a team for a reason. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, so he's, he's got so, left in the tank. So he's rested. He's rested. <laughs> well, it's true. He's well rested. <laughs> All right. Flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, defensive coordinators, Joe Woods. 
their defensive line. They have four stalwarts down on the, on that defensive line from left to right. Cameron Jordan, Nathan Shepard, Kalen Saunders, and Carl Granderson coming off the bench. They got Isaiah Foskey, Malcolm Roach, Brian Breesy, the first round draft pick. So we, we discussed them a bunch of times in our, our draft previews. Uh, to know Pisagnon and Kyle Phillips. Uh, so while Joe Woods is the coordinator, this is really Dennis Allen's yes, defense, Dennis Allen, that's, yeah. right? Um, now, bread and butter. I, I, I probably should have mentioned this before, but okay, so Dennis Allen and Dan Campbell played, they, gotta be old pals. they played at Texas AM together. They go they back to, to be head coach. I know Texas AM hired a head coach, but <laughs> there was talk about it. They go back to like 19, early 1990s uh, with the, in their relationship. So 30 years almost. Um, not only did they play on the same Texas A&M team, but then they coached together with the Saints for, for five years. Uh, Campbell was the tight ends coach when Carmichael was the offensive coordinator. So Campbell knows that offense about as intimately as any coach in the NFL, maybe save Sean Payton in Denver. And then on the defensive side, uh, um, Aaron Glenn was Dennis Allen's secondary coach. And he knows Dennis Allen's scheme inside and out. And this is the scheme that Dennis Allen has run during that time. So you've got, you've got two guys who have who know both the offense and defensive side of the ball as well as any two coaches in the NFL. So and they co- played they coached against each other uh every day in practice. So Dan Campbell's constantly coaching against Dennis Allen's defense and Glenn is constantly coaching against Carmichael's offense. So this these coaching staffs really know each other. And because the Saints haven't made a whole lot of changes to their general scheme, I think this could low-key be like uh, a big advantage for the Lions because they know the schemes as well as anybody. All right, so back to the players. Cameron Jordan is the uh, the stud of the defense, uh, drafted in the first round of 2011. And uh, he is nearing the end of his career, but he's still very dominant. Well worth it. Yep. yep. Um, he has not practiced this week at all. Uh, he's dealing with an ankle injury. Now he still has a day to get himself right and then get back uh, into into playing uh, in a, into, into a good playing situation come Sunday. But at the moment, the ankle injury is keeping him out of practicing, which is. Hopefully a good sign for the Lions. Um, He'll match up against Sewell, which is another good sign for the Lions, being able to get your best offensive lineman against their best defensive lineman. Uh, Granderson is their next best defensive lineman. He'll match up against Taylor Decker. And then not as threatened by the interior guys. Um, Yes, Saunders and Shepard have been around a while, but they have been getting moved off the ball like crazy. Brise is not ready to go just yet. He's getting moved around as well. Um, 
And then Malcolm Roach, the uh, kid out of Texas from a couple years ago, he is also um, strength isn't his best friend, right? So this interior is not as strong as the Lions interior offensive line. And that could potentially be a huge advantage. Uh, They're struggling against the run, like a lot. And right now, over the last however many, like four or five games, they've been struggling against the run. And they've struggled against gap. They've struggled against inside zone. Uh, They've struggled against simple, like, just draw plays. And so I expect that if the Lions are going to get back on track with their offensive line, this is they're going to do it up the middle. Like, there's opportunities to just attack the middle of this line and try and get your backs in advantageous situations, and I fully expect them to do that. Now, Jordan and Cam, Cam Jordan and Granderson are, the, like I said, they're two of the better uh, defensive ends that you'll find in the league, but what you have is they're in a similar spot like the Lions where they're playing like a lot of contain, and they're not getting home on, on the quarterback. They actually have... Um, I think they average 1.6 sacks a game, which is second worst in the NFL. And uh, so their, their sack production is worse than the lions. If that to give you some perspective on their ability to, to get home. Now they can get pressure like the lions do, but they're not getting home. So if you're not getting pressure on Jared Goff and you're not getting him on the ground, that's a huge advantage for the Lions because, again, this is what Goff needs in order to be successful. He needs to be able to stay upright. And the Saints aren't getting home. So they're getting gashed on the run. They're not getting home against the uh, quarterback. And that's allowing Jared, that should allow Jared Goff to be able to sit in the pocket and uh, try and attack a very good second, uh, you know, back seven. All right, the linebacker group, when they go for with three linebackers, uh, it'll be Pete Werner, Demario Davis, and Zach Bond. The, the incredible thing about the uh, the front seven for mm-hmm. New Orleans, all seven of these guys have played in 11 games, mm-hmm. and six of the seven, because Zach Bond, he's only started like six of the 11 games, probably because most of the other times they've been in nickel. Yeah. Every one of those guys has started every game. This is in, you know, interesting. Reserves. Yeah, not injured. Yep. Yeah, no, compared to all these other teams they've faced. Yeah. Uh, DeMarco Jackson, Ty Summers, and Penay's brother, Nephew Sewell, uh, the backup linebackers. Um, so Davis is there. Mike doesn't leave the field. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's good. He can run to the ball. He can cover. Uh, he, he is a little undersized. All these linebackers are a little undersized. Uh, maybe save Zach Zach Vaughn, but um, Davis is is their their stud in the middle. Werner is their other um, starter who plays mostly will. He's mostly uh, drops into coverage. You'll see him try and man up on tight ends and running backs a lot. Um, he has also not practiced this week, so it's another guy to keep an eye on. And um, when they do use Zach Bond, it's typically as like a Sam, but it, this is not a Sam like the Lions Sam, which is that pass rushing uh, linebacker. This is a traditional Sam because they when they will go, 
to a traditional 4-3 where the Sam, Will, and Mike are all line up inside the tackle box. They do this in obvious run situations when they really want to stop the run. Um, but uh, what makes them, what makes this defense, you know, creative is that Bond has the ability to rush the passer as well. In the games that I watched, though, he really didn't. He really was off the ball, and that's where he played a lot. When they were in three linebacker sets, he kind of played off the ball. So they'll play it about, I don't know, like 20% of the time. I think they'll play those three linebacker sets. The other 80, they'll be in nickel, which is about, you know, average. average. Um, But they will use those three linebackers when they need to. And, uh, if Werner is not able to play, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Like, because their linebackers cover their linebackers, cover the backs, they cover the tight ends. Uh, they don't ask that of their safeties a lot. And so if Werner can't play, will they just lean on a backup? If so, which backup, um, and then will that alter their strategy and how they cover? Because I don't think any of these linebackers can hang with a Jameer Gibbs out in the open, or maybe even a Sam Laporta for that matter. And so it'll be very interesting to see what they do at linebacker to adjust if Werner can't go, because I think they will have to tweak some of what they, uh, some of what they're doing in order to operate the scheme the way they want. Outside of like that Zach Bond, the rest of this defense is pretty straightforward. It's they have four down linemen. They have two linebackers in a lot of situations. They will go to three to stop the run. And then they use the the corners and safeties uh, in the same way as well, like the very straightforward way as well. So while the offense is very creative, the defense is very, it is what it is. And they, they just run it the way they run, they, you know, very straightforward. All right, going to the defensive secondary first with the corners. This is uh, where the Saints are hurting a little bit because they lost Marshawn Lattimore, uh, who yeah. was their number one corner. They still have Paulson Adebo, Alante Taylor, Isaac Yadam, and they added Cameron Dantzler. Um, uh, Adebo, Adebo is, is very good. He's him and Lattimore, the, the two together make for a very formidable challenge on the outside uh, for teams with Lattimore out. Uh, Yidium is up and he again is not bad by any stretch, uh, but they don't keep him out there hundred percent of the time. They will lean on Alante Taylor to take some outside snaps. He's mostly their nickel when they have three on the field, but when they, they, if they do go to two, he will stay on the field in those two sets. Um, Alante, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not as sold on him. I think outside of, uh, of uh, Adebo, the other side's a little bit more vulnerable. It's still a really good secondary though. and, And they have, they have options, right? Like it's, it, it may not be as elite as they were with Lattimore. It's still very good, though. Safeties. Starters Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, and Marcus May. 
The reserves, Jordan Howden, Lonnie Johnson Jr., Ugo Amati, J.T. Gray, Jonathan Abram. Uh, Marcus May has also not practiced this week. And so he is, uh, if he's out, that'll that'll further make the middle of their defense a little bit more vulnerable. So they could be potentially with, you know, if, if you can move their their interior defensive line, and then you can attack their interior linebacker because of injury. And then you can attack their uh, their safeties, uh, at least one of their safeties, because like this middle of the field is is very vulnerable because of injury. And then and just that's where they've been getting beat physically as well. So Marcus May is low key a, a guy that they might need to be a little worried about. Uh, if he can't play, they'll have to go to a reserve. And, uh, and then that weakens the unit overall. Uh, the Honey Badger had two interceptions against Atlanta. He's still very much fly around the field. I mean, he's 31, but he still flies around the field like uh, he did when he was 21. So um, somebody you'll have to account for. And uh, like I said, the outside is going to be a little tougher than, uh, than on the inside. And so you just, if you're going to throw on the inside, Keep keep a awareness of of where my, uh, the honey badger is, and then you know, uh, and, and you know, throw account accordingly. All right, going to the special teams group, they got a pair of rookies uh, as their punter and kicker. The kicker is Blake Grupe, who's uh, put up some pedestrian numbers, although he's hit five of eight field goals from fifty yards plus at the long of fifty five only hitting 80% of his field goals overall. He was five of six against Atlanta. Um, when they got the score, it was a nine. Atlanta had a nine point lead going into to two minutes and the saints decided to try and kick a field goal. and then, you know, do the onside kick to get the ball back. Um, and the, and he missed the field goal and that essentially that ended the dead. game. So that was the last, last kick he made was or last kick. He attempted was a miss, which is uh, unfortunate for him. Uh, I think both of these kickers, the kicker and punter, I think they're both underwhelming. Um, Lou Headley is the punter 30 year old rookie out of Australia. Aussie, most likely mm-hmm. Australian rules football player averaging only 43.1 yards a kick, which is on the lower end. Yeah. Um, so again, nothing to be terribly scared about, but, you know, with special teams, you know, and it's hard to tell when somebody, when kickers are going to get hot. Right. So, but so far they've just been averaged to below return man, although injured Rashid Shahid, dangerous returning puns, 14.4 yard average with the 76 yard touchdown mixed in there. Um, not so dangerous returning kicks, 21.4 on average, when, long at 28. When he was injured last week, they had Taysom Hill as their kick returner. So that'll be interesting to see uh, what happens if he can't return to the to the lineup this week. I don't really know what their answer is because he's he's been their guy all season. So Long snapper Zach Wood. How do you feel about that? I know you don't know anything about him because neither do I. I I don't. I don't. (laughs) What do you got? How are you feeling about this game? Or do I get to go first? Uh, You won because I took the under and and they went over. So um, 
So you won. You've brought us back up. I think it's six to five. Yep. I'm up just one now uh, with you having won the last two games in a row. Um, I have not made my score prediction yet. So I'm still mm-hmm. kind of working that out in my head. I was working we'll it out. When, first. Yeah. When we joined, when you joined. So I kind of have an idea, but um, I'm going to let you go first and we're going to see how this uh, shakes out. You're, you're trying to lull me into a false sense of security. <laughs> you know, this week because it's like well like the, the saints you know they kind of stink they don't have a good quarterback the offensive line's not great and the defense is solid but they're gonna be able to throw on them they're gonna be able to get the ball to gibbs and he's gonna do it and i'm just sitting here going man they 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 should have lost to the bears they they lost poorly to the packers and you know it's very disappointing and yeah, like and they didn't look good against the chargers i still probably have them in full slump mode but then you know you start talking and dan campbell knows these guys inside and <laughs> aaron glenn knows these guys inside and out because they worked together for so long but then part of me is thinking well you know then when dennis allen and carmichael and all those guys kind of know what campbell and, and aaron glenn are going to do as well you know don't they have a decent idea and i don't know i can't I think they get off the schneid here. Uh, I don't know if they're out of their slump yet, though, but I'll, I'll have the Lions winning this one, 24-21. But I, th- there's, I don't know, I wouldn't call it concern. I would say I don't know if they're going to be out of their funk yet. Sure, sure. I'm not too far off from you. Um, I'm expecting a couple more field goals uh, than touchdowns. Um, but that lands me at a score of uh 27 20 with the lions winning. I think the lions can score three times and then get a couple field goals just for, uh, you know, safe measure. Whereas I think the, the saints can sneak in a couple of touchdowns, uh, just creativity, you know, motivation. They, they focused a lot on the red zone this week, uh, more, the reports out of the new Orleans are that they've really tried to hone in on, on uh, what they're doing in the red zone and, and try and correct what's been ailing them. So I expect them to have something creative in mind. So that creativity could get them one, they could get one on their own. Uh, and then it'll be a couple field goals after that. Whereas on the lion side, I just think they can run the ball and I think they will run the ball and you know, that's going to put them in situations to score five or six times. And a um, couple of the times are going to end up field goals and I, I, three are going to end up touchdowns. I, I just think they're going to put the lines are going to put themselves in positions to score more than the saints will. And they can put it in the end zone more than the saints can as well. And then they'll end up winning by a touchdown in my opinion. So well, I, I hope I'm hoping. Know. Yeah, me too. I, I, you know, that's, so 20, 2027, I think is right at the over under, which I think is like 46 and a half or, or 47 or something. Um, but I do think they'd cover uh, that, that four to four and a half point spread. Reviews wise. We have a review, Shelly Chalker, five-star review. Very nice review. I can't remember if we mentioned it last week, for some reason it's sticking on my head. Maybe we didn't mention it, but just in case, we'll mention Shelly Chalker again. Thank you for the five-star review. Uh, that was the Apple Podcasts over on uh, Spotify. 
boosting up again a few more reviews up to 218 still holding a five star we appreciate that from everybody everybody who's reviewing everybody's rating us it's really nice i i do think we uh i do think we mentioned shelly last week because okay. i remember right. i remember reading that um but i think she should get a second shout out just because yeah no that's fine yeah that that's much appreciated certainly all right eric that's it that's all we got you have any other little tidbits or anything you want to throw in there um no i don't think so i uh well I, I have one question for you do you think iowa can score a touchdown on saturday night no probably not <laughs> it's, it's gonna be a bloodbath because <laughs> uh, they're still like the one thing it's building up in michigan's a lot of revenge you know, and it's revenge against people they don't necessarily need revenge against. You know, <laughs> Iowa's definitely not one of the teams that they'll get revenge against. It, Iowa can't score. Like the Spartans, all, you know, the Spartans had to come to pieces against them to lose to Iowa. You know, Michigan's mm. they have no trouble with them. I, I, I can't see Iowa scoring. Now, well, it'll be Iowa... interesting in the playoffs. But, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I was saying, I would walk over. I was missing their quarterback. Their yeah. Top, yeah their their top two tight ends and their best defensive player. So and there's the, and there was their revenge. Cause you know, McNamara went to Michigan, Eric, all right. went to Michigan and, and they're, and they're, and they're both hurt. <laughs> yeah. So that, that at least would have given the game something, you know, sure. Sure. now it's, now it's just, there's going to be, I don't, they won't talk about it, but you know, Kirk Ferentz is going to have to fire his son or do something with his son. He's a terrible offensive <laughs> Kirk, coordinator. Kirk Ferentz doesn't fire anybody. They no, just he move just, him. He just moves him around. Yeah, he'll move him. He'll, yeah, he'll make him offensive line coach again and, like, run game coordinator and then promote <laughs> somebody else to offensive coordinator. It's – uh, if they lose Harbaugh, you know, be, for whatever reason, if he goes to mm. the NFL, if – I don't, he's not going to leave in shame because I don't think there's no shame in him. You know, mm, like sure. Like Sharon Moore is definitely going to be the head coach, right? They, they, well, it seems there's a diamond in the rough there and it's not even really the rough anymore, but well, I, I, I think, think he's the guy. When you have, when you are the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator and your offensive line wins the Joe Moore award two years in a row. Yeah, I think people, I, I don't know why they won that award two years ago. Keep going. <laughs> but I think that's like, that's people that's, it should have been a sign to take notice of him. Right. So um, I do think he, he did well. You, look, you got, you got new coach this week too. How do you feel about your new coach? Well, you know, Oregon state is a hard place to win because they have to compete against Oregon and all their money. Yep. And then also regionally, they have to compete against Washington and, you know, and then they're basically directly always competing against Washington state and Boise state. And, and all those schools are like competing for players in California. And for the fact that he was able to turn that team around, you know, pretty strongly in six years, a really good sign. Um, not the greatest sign that they didn't get his defensive coordinator. Like they, they have a good defense over there and it's not surprising that Oregon state promoted him to be the head coach and he's going to be the head coach going forward. Uh, so, you know, I'm optimistic, but at the same time, what we'll have to, a, we'll have to see what happens, but this doesn't seem like it's going to be next year. They're going to be eight and four, you know, it doesn't mm -hmm. have that feel to it, especially with all the players that are going to go into the transfer portal, which, 
you know, a lot of my, you know, fellow Spartan brethren are upset about, but me at the same time, it's like, well, it's all the offensive linemen for some reason, because like <laughs> they have a terrible offensive line. What does mm. it really matter if we lose all these guys, which they won't, <laughs> you know, I know that they're just looking for something. And when I was looking at the list, you know, it's a couple of defensive players, Darius Snow, it's a surprise because it's Eric Snow's son, Percy Snow's nephew. Yeah. You know, like those are, those are Spartans, the Spartans come and it was surprising to see him in the portal, but you know, Harmon, the defensive tackle, that'd be bad to lose him. But the defense is not bad. The Michigan state defense is actually pretty good. They, mm-hmm. It's just that the offense is so bad that they just get stressed and stressed and stressed and they kind of fall apart and you get later sure. in games. So, yeah, there's reason to be optimistic. Uh, they, they have a offensive coordinator now that, that there's creative offensive coordinator, so that's, that's good. You know, mm-hmm. I've had enough of Jay Johnson. I had enough of a lot of those D'Antonio offensives where they weren't <laughs> super creative and kind of just stuck to doing the same thing. And when the talent wasn't great, it, you know, it's not good. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the D'Antonio years with, um, God, I'm forgetting everybody now. I mean, the, uh, <laughs> the D'Antonio, the, well, we used to complain about him all the time. Dave Warner, um, like those teams had a lot of talent. So the offense was pretty good, even if he was very vanilla about it. But like, you know, you got to do some, like Ben Johnson's, like it infuriates me that mm. there aren't 32 Ben Johnsons in the NFL. And I'm not right. saying Ben Johnson's the best offensive coordinator in the NFL. He's up there, obviously. But, yes. like, why in the NFL aren't they all kind of like him? Just different versions of him. There are so <laughs> many vanilla offensive coordinators in the NFL. It's like, why Why would you hire these guys? Like, what's right. the point? Like, this is this is pro football. They you play scared. You know, like, go ahead. They, a, a lot, I was going to say, a lot of NFL coaches – they play not to lose, right? They play. And they shouldn't be there. No, I. You're not. You're not wrong. Um, speaking of coaches, we should probably touch on the fact that um, Carolina got rid of Frank Wright yeah. and yeah. and Deuce Staley. Uh, Jim Caldwell sent Deuce Staley packing, which is. A little former line coach on former line coach yeah. crime there. Right, right. Um I on the one hand, I, I think it would be nice to bring uh bring um the you know offer an extension to uh to Deuce and say, Hey, are you interested in um you know consulting or something like that or or you know maybe bringing him back in for the, for the push. But at the same time, he went to, he went to Carolina because his mom was sick. You know what I mean? Like, right. He may like, and he's getting paid for the season. So like, well, he could spend some more time with his family. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like it's pop. Maybe they're like, maybe they say, Hey, look, if you don't get another job, we'll find something for you. Cause you know, they loved deuce here. Um, but hopefully he gets to spend time with his family and uh and that's really what's important so um and then if frank wright if ben johnson does leave i do think frank wright is a potential candidate for lions oc uh next year i think to him and dean campbell have a very good relationship that would be interesting i guess it would all depend on how much reich wants to work with golf you know, that's probably mm-hmm. part of it, right? Um, yeah, 
I think that's a it's a plus for the Lions that you know the Carolina owner owner is so terrible that he you know oh, yeah. right after just a handful of games you know although they weren't performing great and there's sure. probably a lot of different reasons for that we saw them in in that game they have a terrible offensive line you know that's not helping Bryce Young like it, but well and then Bryce Young was the owner's pick as uh, right. not Frank Reich's pick as well which doesn't I think help the image of that organization either. Yeah. So I hope that Ben Johnson looks at this one and is like, I'm going to stay away from this job, but <laughs> there's going to be other right. open jobs and he's going to be considering that. Like, and this is probably our last go around with him. Unless, you know, unless the Fords, you know, back the Brinks truck up and you yeah. know, say, Hey, like we'll make you the highest paid offense coordinator. that will pay you more than, you know, seven mm-hmm. of the head coaches, if you stay here, and that's always a possibility, you know, they, which I absolutely am not group. ruling out. Yeah. I'm not ruling that out. I we've, I've said this last season, last off season, like he's going to need the right spot for, in order to leave right. because you should wait to find it too. Yeah. Well, my, uh, my kind of worry is that if that chargers job opens up, that might be very tempting for, for, for Ben yeah, Johnson. Maybe, yeah. Maybe the chargers, um, yeah. maybe the bears job. We talked about no. that. But yeah. I could see the chargers job. Why not? Yeah. That wouldn't be a bad landing spot for him. That's, that's the one that concerns me a little bit more than anything right there. But um, yeah, we'll see. We, we got a few more months before we have to really start talking about this stuff, but did you was... go ahead? Sorry. I wanted to move on to another time. Did you watch the Barry Sanders documentary? I uh, wanted to watch it with my wife and we got busy over Thanksgiving weekend. And then she caught a little bug and I haven't been. And so like, she's been right, down well, with this bug. So I haven't watched it yet. I've been we'll, waiting for we'll her. Hold off on talking about it. Okay, good. I, I am. Evergreen start, material. I, it, that's what I hear. Right. Like that's why I had, I'm like, for me, it's better to watch it with Laura and like make everybody happy and enjoy it together as opposed to just re-watching, you know, something that I probably already knew and then like, you know, ruffling feathers or something. I don't want to, I like, it's enjoyable to watch it uh, with her. So I'll wait till she's feeling better and then we'll watch it. Hopefully uh, this weekend would be nice. All right. I'm going to say that's it. I don't think we have to touch on anything else. We got, got some college football talk in there, which is great. <laughs> um, you know, I, I would tell you good luck uh, when it took for Saturday night, but I don't want to do that. And they don't need <laughs> it anyways. They're going to, they're going to win. That's going to be a cakewalk type of game. It'll be, if they lost that, it would be like one of the most shocking turn of events in college. Yes, football it would. That game. I tell you the committee's, committee could have themselves a problem maybe we'll talk about that next week what the committee decides because there's a potential problem if the if certain teams all win right you may end up with you may end up with five teams for four spots so um, who's the fifth team well if texas wins fsu wins and and then the winner which one there's four undefeated to if Florida Texas State has wins. a loss. Okay, but, Texas has a loss, but Ohio, but FSU doesn't have a quarterback. Yeah, I know right? that. Yeah, it, it, that's where it gets complicated. It'll be that four I guess spot. You're right. I guess it'll be interesting. 
what they end up doing there. Right. Because also if Oregon beats Washington, then Washington only has one loss too. And then it becomes, Oh, what if Alabama beats Georgia? And then you only have one, one, then you only have one undefeated team. Well, and then Louisville beats Florida state. Yeah. I guess we'll save that. I mean, there could be a lot of really weird scenarios. So I'm excited to see how that mess plays out. And how it all changes next year when the divisions all go haywire. I know. Well, and they add the, the, or the conferences, teams, which will, which will stink. Right. And it's going to be, a, it's going to be crazy. I mean, it's going to be great. Cause it's going to be fun to have all that extra playoff football, but at the same time, it's like, look how much all this means, you know, all these last couple games, you know, cause mm-hmm. these were already that, you know, week 12, like not week 12, it's actually week 14, but the 12th game for every team, you know, with a lot of those rivalry games, now the conference championship, we're already kind of in the playoffs, but mm-hmm. and it's more abstract than all the other playoffs. You know, like with, then if we talked about the baseball or, you know, major league baseball, the NFL or N- NBA, NHL playoff, even, even major league soccer, like that, that that's like, it's, that's a concrete thing. The understanding of those playoff systems where this is like this abstract playoff that's going on, <laughs> you know, uh, and it's all going to change. So I know, and it's for so going to be for the worst. So <laughs> typically, <laughs> well, it, it's only because we're getting old. <laughs> all the young people, it's going to get better. It's just for us. Like, well, you know, next year you're older, it's just going to get worse. All right, that's it. We'll, right. we'll be depressing off the air. So you you enjoy the rest of your day and of uh, the rest of the week, and everybody out there, you too. You take care, and until next time, let's go, Lions.